0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello again. This is another Mind, Body, Soul podcast. I'm Mike Feldman from MikeTheGun.com. Hope you guys enjoyed the fights. UFC 247, John Jones, Dominic Reyes. I'm going to review UFC 247 and look ahead to UFC Fight Night 167. Corey Anderson rematching Jan Blachowicz. and still and still is the theme for UFC 247 Valentina Shevchenko gets another huge win a dominating win a stoppage win for some reason MMA media and MMA fans switch gears on Valentina Shevchenko very fast. She's the UFC women's flyweight champion. 125 pounds. Formerly competing at 135 pounds. Her only losses in the UFC are at 135 pounds. Both losses coming at the hands of the greatest women's fighter of all time in Amanda Nunes. She moves down in weight. She hasn't lost since. Almost two years. But a lot of people were questioning. Is she a boring fighter? Is she a point fighter? A lot of people were frustrated with the second Amanda Nunes fight, UFC 215. Where it was a stand-up match, but... Not too much action. It was very slow, methodical. In their heads, the the pace was racing. Both fighters were trying to calculate and not make a mistake. Valentina had the biggest fight in front of her to be the champion she always saw herself she could be and win the title for the first time, for Amanda Nunez, she was a marauder leading up to that fight. But back to UFC 196, everybody questioned whether Amanda Nunez was slowing down in the first meeting against Valentina Shevchenko. Nunez is a bigger woman, much bigger. And in that first fight, she used her 10 to 15 to 20 pound weight advantage and outgrappled Valentina Shevchenko early in the fight. But, and this was just a three round fight because it was on the undercard of Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor won, Holly Holm, Misha Tate. I believe Amanda Nunes and Valentina Shevchenko kicked off the main card. Neither was a champion, neither was crowned some of the greatest women's fighters of all time yet. But in that fight, Valentina came on late. She's obviously the smaller woman, she's carrying a lot less muscle mass. And she was able to put it on Amanda late, but the bell rang and she lost two rounds to one. So, about 18 months later, they rematch at UFC 215 in Canada. They are supposed to fight at UFC 213. Amanda Nunes had a weight-cutting issue. Maybe that was in the back of her head. Maybe the first fight where Valentina came on late was in the back of her head. And she admitted at the end of the fight, which she won by points and decision, it wasn't a great fight. I think she won on a couple of scorecards, 48, 47, 49, 46. It, it wasn't a blowout, but it it was a evolving performance or yeah it was an evolving performance for Nunes she wanted to prove to herself and to the public that she could go five rounds the public didn't care they jumped on her for being a boring fighter but after that Valentina made corrections she got a couple more wins at 135 pounds but the biggest correction was not what she made actually, it was what the UFC made by opening up the hundred and twenty five pound division for fighters like Paige Van Zant, Macy Barber, Liz Carmouche. And Valentina has just been a locomotive running through that division. But for some reason, Valentina Shevchenko coming off one of the greatest knockouts we've seen. Head kick knockouts. One of the people will will look to that knockout about how it was Anderson Silva-esque. It was beautiful. UFC 238, Valentina Shevchenko coming off a huge victory over... Joanna Young-Jacek, back at UFC 231. People forget about that. Valentina, uh, excuse me, Joanna Young-Jacek is considered top five greatest women's fighter of all time. Valentina handled her easily. And I don't think a lot of people have given Valentina enough credit for going up in weight and fighting the GOAT. So (laughs) three of the GOATs have crossed paths. Valentina fighting Joanna. Valentina fighting Amanda. People are just, they look at the wins and losses and not what's around it. There's a reason why there is such thing as a weight advantage. And you look at the men, 185 to 205 is a 20-pound gap. 155 to 170, 170, 185 is 15 pounds each. And people don't look enough that the weight does matter. That can carry more muscle, more mass. (sighs) Jan Blahovich, who is fighting this weekend, he's beaten two middleweights that have tried to test the waters at light heavyweight. Ronaldo Shouza, a.k.a. Jacare, and Luke Rockhold, former... UFC middleweight and strike force middleweight champion, Blahovich has handled them pretty well. And they're coming up from 20 pounds. Who knows? Maybe if they were to just move up in 10 pounds, seven pounds, they would do a lot better. And I, I believe they would do a lot better. But people were quick to write off Joanna when she lost to Valentina Shevchenko. At 125 pounds, people were quick to write off Shevchenko when she lost to Nunes at 135 pounds. Every fighter has a weight class in which they can flourish in. And yes, there will always be tweeners, meaning in between weight classes, they could sit better five pounds there, five pounds there. Five pound difference in weight class would be too much. But... 10 to 15 is right. And when you get down to the lower weights, this is obvious, the 10 pounds from 125 to 135 is a higher percentage from 175 to 85. Whether it's 12% compared to 14% or 15%, it's a bigger percentage. So when Joanna's fighting from 115 to 125, that's, that's, a, that's a huge percentage jump. And they're doing it in their next fight. Max Holloway fights at UFC 231, 145 pounds against Brian Ortega. Beats him bad. People are crowning him the greatest featherweight of all the time. His next fight, UFC 236, he's fighting at 155 pounds. People are just, you know what, he's tough. You know, we can just say he's tough. He survived. He survived at the bigger weight class. He's fighting at a bigger weight class against the guy in Dustin Poirier, who's one of the most brutalizing strikers the sport's ever seen. And he's doing it in about a three to four month turnaround. He's moving up completely, shifting in 10 pounds. People think it's so easy, but the 10 pounds should not be just of water weight that he sits at 180 pounds when he's walking around and so does Dustin Poirier. No, 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 no. You have to sit nicely in the weight. You have to feel nicely gain if I gain five pounds of muscle mass, do you know how long it takes? It takes months to put it on healthily and put it on not forcefully, but not rushing the process and not killing your kidneys or your liver or your digestive system by trying to just shove food down your pipe. It takes time, takes balance. Your skin has to adjust, your body has to adjust, your joints have to adjust. I think a lot of people underappreciate the leaping in weights. Look at Conor McGregor, an example. UFC 194 against Jose Aldo. He was 145 pounds. March, the very next March, three months later, he's fighting at 170 pounds against Nate Diaz who is a bigger man naturally. Conor McGregor wants the same fight at the same weight. Still, less than a year of fighting at 145 pounds, he's fighting Nate Diaz a second time at 170 pounds. It takes a while to put on the right mass. I give Conor credit for that because he fought with his brain, not with vigor or his heart I mean obviously that he needed the vigor and the heart and the will to push through in that fourth round against Nate Diaz in the rematch to secure the Eddie Alvarez champ champ fight the following fight but the most important thing was fighting with his brain he didn't gas out he trained better he put on weight better and he looked better much better in the Nate Diaz rematch and he looked phenomenal in the counterweight in the Cowboy Cerrone fight, where he had 15 months to settle in to 170 pounds. And I don't like arguing over stuff that can't be proven. Maybe in an interview, somebody will ask him what he weighs, but I get into these arguments, they're like, oh, Conor McGregor, when he fought Nate Diaz, he was weighing in at 168 pounds. That's what he walks around at. Yeah, because he was coming up from 145 pounds. Against Cowboy Cerrone, he's not walking around at 167, 168. He's walking around 80 to 85. And then when he's in shape, he gets down to 170. And then when he cuts, he's absolutely shredded at 155 pounds. That's the peak Connor when he's sitting at a heavier weight class, when his in shape is 170. When he cuts fully down, trim, and slim, he's 155 pounds. But he's not walking around at 167. Trust me, guys. After the night of partying and the continuous partying, drinking, and eating, he's in the 180s again. So, bring this full circle to Valentina Shevchenko, Give her credit for all she's done because she keeps proving the doubters, the literal doubters wrong. And if you're so good, I guess we always hold people to a higher standard. John Jones, Valentina, Amanda Nunes, Joanna Connor. We hold them to a higher standard. and We expect the most. And I think that's fair. That's the mantle of being a champion and being a global icon. So many people jumped on the other side of Valentina. UFC 238, she has, like I said, one of the greatest head kick knockouts we've ever seen against Jessica I. Boom, Chicago lit the arena on fire. Moving forward to, I believe, I think it was August or September. She fought Liz Carmouche, and the fight was a five round, boring, boring, not going to cuss, but it was a boring decision. Again, it was a very calculated fight in their minds. I'm sure they were just, their brains were off the Richter scale, but not much was shown output wise or physically in the fight. And maybe mentally, if we're looking at the mind side of Valentina leading into that fight, she has three losses in her career. Two against the greatest women's fighter of all time in Amanda Nunes, and one of the greatest fighters, period. Probably top five, top seven of all time. And the other loss came at the hands of Liz Carmouche in a different organization. So Valentina probably had that in the back of her mind. And the rematch was not as exciting or loose. Maybe in the rematches, she gets too tense and tries to be too perfect or too calculated, she's at her best when, I guess, she fights you for the first time and she's a little more loose. And people were upset with the Carmouche decision and then people were given Kagan a huge advantage probably because of the disappointment that happened in Valentina Shevchenko's last fight. What does Valentina come out and do at UFC 247? Lights another arena on fire. Houston, Texas. Holy goodness. She outpoints Caitlin Chuk- Chukagan very early. Comes out, puts her in a crucifix position. Secures one arm, secures another arm. And then it's Caitlin Chukagan's head. Versus Valentina Shevchenko's elbow. And her only defense is wiggling out. It's like an older brother holding down a younger brother. Basically, as long as the fighter has enough balance on top and can surf over their opponent, they're going to win. It's just a matter of time. So great job, Valentina. What's next? Wow. Does the MMA and fight community love to jump at what's next? And I think it's fair. The fighters get pissed off that we're always jumping ahead and seeing what's next. Well, it's because you take off three to six to eight to 12 months. I'm sorry. We have to talk about something. They they disappear about a month after their fight. So it's just part of the gig. It's just part of the gig. But for Valentina, just hang out. She can wait till the summer, which she probably will before she returns. Maybe she'll corner her fighter, excuse me, her sister, who's also a UFC fighter, and just stay busy. She's always staying busy. She is a machine, she's a cyborg, as my co host for the MMA Mavericks show, Mike Straka, says. That's the, uh, that's the career news that I've been holding close to the chest. I'm doing a show with legendary MMA broadcaster Mike Straka. The shows have been going great. It is a little wilder, much looser than the Mind, Body, Soul podcast. But I promise you I will deliver these methodical, well-thought, detailed takes about fighters fighting, their past, their paths, uh, and their mind, their philosophies, their thoughts, also the physical aspect of their fights with their bodies, the off-season, what's going in, what are they coming from, what should they do next, and the soul, how was the performance, how did they... Elevate themselves on Fight Night, and did they elevate themselves on Fight Night? So, I will continue to provide you MBS content. I dig on video, maybe slow. That is a lot more editing and video heavy, but I'll work it in. I need to cut it down. If I can cut it down to five to ten minutes, I obviously love to talk, but if I can cut it down to five to ten minutes, Maybe do an MMA Minute to start the show and just catch up on the news and just talk about the biggest topic. I think that would be the best route to go. So, let's continue. UFC 247. John Jones, Dominic Reyes. John Jones is the greatest mixed martial artist we've ever seen. Albeit without the... With all the... Allegations and asterisks and steroids, clouds hanging over him. He still gets the job done. He's been clean now in terms of negative headlines for about nine months, which is a start. Can he go 12 months? The clock is on. He has till April of 2020. Can he stay out of the limelight negatively? We will see. But Let's just talk about the fight. Heavy lies the crown. John Jones wins again. He hasn't lost since 2011, I believe. Dominic Reyes is also undefeated. Came into the fight with a ton of confidence. Almost felt like John Jones was a bully and Dominic Reyes was the cool guy who hung out with nerdy guys. And John Jones. He was almost jealous that Dominic Reyes was just calm, cool, and just even in the, the the losing efforts at the post-fight interview with Joe Rogan, Dominic Reyes was like, man, I'm just, I'm happy. I, I, I proved to myself I could do this. I'm just happy I went five with the greatest of all time. I, I thought I won. I didn't. Whatever. We'll see what's next. Very calm, very cool, very confident. And John Jones has to respect that. You know, he's kind of been the idol of all his opponents. When they go in there with that vigor, aka fear and emotions, it's almost like they lost the fight before they fought John Jones. And Dominic Reyes was like, no, he's, he's a human like me. He bleeds like me. I've been to parties, I've been to college, I've I've been, I've done everything. I've seen it all. I've traveled the world playing football. Now I'm fighting. I'm undefeated. I get to fight the greatest of all time. I'm the man as well. I believe that was Dominic Reyes' mindset, because he was very confident and not afraid to throw. John Jones couldn't get Dominic Reyes' timing at all until Dominic Reyes slowed down in the fourth and fifth round, or started to slow down in the third round, but really slowed down in the fourth or fifth round. My wife, who is a Shadow Khan karate black belt, she just noticed right away. She's never seen Dominic Reyes fight, but she was like, Man, his reflexes are great. His leaping in and out ability is much faster than John Jones. And I believe that explosive energy and strength is due to his football background and his college football experience and those power workouts. But those. Fast twitch muscles. They burn out quick. And Dominic Reyes, man, he put on a heck of a pace in those first two rounds. It's a toss up the third round. John Jones couldn't even get a takedown. He was deep on a takedown. Now, When I talked about before about moving up in weight and how that is very important, it takes time, it could be a 6- to 12-month process to properly move up in weight class, Chris Wyman jumped up as well to 205 pounds after being a UFC champion at 185 pounds, and he fought Dominic Reyes prior to Dominic Reyes' fight against John Jones back in October. And he is one of the greatest wrestlers we've seen in mixed martial arts. And he shot on a deep, quick double on Dominic Reyes in their fight. It was fast. It was deep. It was The speed advantage was totally for Chris Weidman. But when he finally got in on his legs and grabbed a hold behind his thighs and tried to clamp his hands together... Dominic Reyes still shrugged off Chris Weidman, a multiple-time All-American, a guy who's taken down an Olympian and Joel Romero easily and multiple times. Chris Weidman seemed kind of shocked and almost defeated. That it is a, I guess, demoralizing feel when your best asset or one of your best assets is taken away from you immediately. And Dominic Reyes shrugged that off. But I was like, you know what? Maybe Chris Wyman's a smaller man at light heavyweight. We also seen Dominic Reyes get taken down by a pure kickboxer in Volkan Ozdemir. <clears throat> it can't just be timing. It just has to be Dominic Reyes isn't good at wrestling takedown defense. Boy, did he prove me. And anybody who doubted his wrestling takedown defense, wrong. Holy crap. John Jones, at least three times, I believe, was deep on a double, pushing Dominic against the cage wall. And Dominic's got off John Jones, the greatest mixed martial artist of all time, a guy who's taken down Daniel Cormier, a former Olympic wrestler, easily. John Jones couldn't get Dominic Reyes to the canvas and control him for more than 3 seconds. Dominic Reyes would get back to his feet. Dominic Reyes would reverse positions. Dominic Reyes would get away from the cage and back to striking range where he felt comfortable. So, hats off to Dominic. Wow. And I don't know how much of that would change in the rematch besides John Jones understanding the level of strength he would have to be a lot more creative with his takedowns maybe he could do the Zabit Magomed Sharapov takedowns where he goes opposite foot opposite hand one hand will go to the back of his opponent's ha- head another will go to the opponent's opposite wrist and then you do a foot sweep and a trip John Jones has done that that could work we've seen that the Power double didn't work on Dominic Reyes. He might have to get a lot more creative. But Dominic Reyes definitely earned my, and of course, John Jones' respect. And John Jones is going to have to make adjustments, which is why we need to see the rematch. Because Dominic Reyes is going to make adjustments too. Work on that cardio. Work on that pace. We've seen Conor McGregor make adjustments in the Nate Diaz. Rivalries where he paced himself, he didn't burn out in the first or second round. Dominic Reyes, maybe he'll just chop the legs, jab the face, hook the face, work in a cross, but won't swing for the home runs yet. You don't want to, you don't want to take away or put a muzzle over his skill set and kind of take the steam out of the engine but he's a smart kid seems like he's working with great coaches I've heard that Dan Henderson the former pride champion and Super middleweight UFC contender has been working with Dominic Reyes, and I, I want to see the adjustments. I believe in John Jones in the adjustments a lot more. I believe John will come back with a tremendous game plan, whether he goes beat Dominic Reyes' offense with a better offense or beat Dominic Reyes' offense with an extremely perfect defense. We will see. But that rematch has to happen. Do it International Fight Week. John Jones Reyes, Jorge Masvidal Usman. Oh, my gosh. I don't care who else fights on that card. Just give me those two cards. That is such a technical technician and fight specialist, fans, Super Bowl. I love it. I love it. I think that would be perfect. Give us Nate Diaz-Connor a month before, a month after. I'd love both, or all three. So, heavy lies the crown. John Jones, these contenders are crawling up his back trying to grab that crown. Anthony Smith could have taken the title, actually, because of the Disqualificating knee that John Jones threw in the fourth round in their fight at UFC 235. But Anthony Smith is a man of great morale. He did not take that kind of poor man's victory. He wants to earn it the right way, and I respect that. But Tiago Santos, who blew out both knees in his fight at UFC 239 against John Jones. He actually was the first fighter to win uh the fight on a judge's scorecard completely. He won it forty eight forty seven. It was a very close fight. John Jones decided to kickbox a kickboxer and he lost. So that was uh That was a close one for John Jones. And then this one, I believe, was a draw. I believe John Jones and Dominic Reyes tied. And they should have tied. John Jones would still keep the belt. And he still keeps his record intact. And you don't hurt the other guy's record, Dominic Reyes. You don't give him a loss. If you're giving Dominic Reyes the immediate rematch, okay. Okay. You. Got a loss on your record, but we're paying you back with the rematch and a chance to set everything right. But I didn't agree with John Jones completely getting the decision. Excuse me. hope John Jones doesn't run away to heavyweight. This is a huge fork in the road in terms of what direction he goes with his career. He could still take his time at light heavyweight and go prove more doubt is wrong and really set the record straight and dominate Dominic Reyes. And... Just show that he is the most deadliest fighter when it comes to rematches. John Jones in the first fight against Daniel Cormier went five rounds. John Jones got the decision, took Cormier down. John Jones in the rematch against Cormier kicked Cormier's head to the moon, which was one of the vicious knockouts you'll ever see and worst stoppages you'll ever see. John Jones in the first fight against. Alexander Gustafson, I believe, UFC 165. That was a the toughest fight of Jon Jones' career. It took a huge beating. He said he didn't train for it, but he got what he deserved for not training. And his opponent closed the gap. Alexander Gustafson was hungry, like Dominic Reyes, and he put a beating on Jon Jones. But again, in those championship rounds, Jon steps it up. It's like he's a procrastinator, and he ultimately steps it up in those rounds where he sees he can win it. So, John Jones then faces Gustafson again at UFC 238. He beats Gustafson within three rounds bad. And Gustafson retires in his next fight. He is coming back though but Jon Jones kind of set him on track to take a hiatus. Let's see the rematch. Let's see if Jon Jones can make these adjustments and stay true to being the smartest fighter in the cage and having the highest fight IQ in the UFC. Let's see what he can do in the rematch, and that's all I want to see. It was a draw. Credit to Dominic Reyes for coming out guns blazing and confident, but let's see if he can combine that confidence with calculations and making the right adjustments in the rematch. John Jones, it was a draw, but you got the decision. Great job by you coming in later on the fourth and fifth rounds and taking what was yours. Great job earning it. Especially especially optically winning those late rounds and back-to-back rounds, it can kind of influence a judge's decision. So, great job by John Jones in that aspect. So, that was the review of UFC 247, the bigger fights. Dan Ige got a huge win. Justin Taffa got a huge win. Derek Lewis got a Big win, not a huge win, but he fought a light heavyweight moving up to heavyweight. Derek Lewis being Derek Lewis, he didn't get a knockout or it's a kind of drawn out decision. So good job by Derek Lewis. Moving the chains. Now to preview UFC Fight Night 167. Corey Anderson rematching Jan Blachowicz. Diego Sanchez facing the high-flying, acrobatic, very athletic Michelle Pereira will be fun. The people's main event, the fight that I'm looking forward to the most, is Lando Venata, another Jackson Wick product. Facing Max Holloway teammate Yancey Medeiros at lightweight, which should be a freaking banger. Can't wait for that fight. That will be high flying. Tim Means trying to make it a couple in a row now against Daniel Rodriguez, John 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 Dotson, another Jack Wink product, former UFC bantamweight title challenger, facing Nathaniel Wood, Jim Miller. Scott Holtzman, Jim Miller, Jersey product. He is uh, encroaching on a couple of UFC records. We will be reminded of that once he uh once he fights tomorrow. Devin Clark, another Jackson Wink fighter. Solid card. Nothing crazy for a fight night. But definitely a fight night. It would be an amazing fight night if we had one more big fight. But Corey Anderson versus Jan Blahovich will definitely catch John Jones' attention. He may be in attendance. He lives in New Mexico. And this fight is in New Mexico. So... These guys are next in line at light heavyweight after John Jones and Reyes figure out or settle the score for the title. But these guys are knocking at the door. They might miss their opportunity because John Jones, if he rematches Reyes, then the window doesn't line up. John Jones, I mean, I guess he could fight them at the end of the year, but the heavyweight fight might be there at the end of the year what they need to do and what the incentive should be is to put on a phenomenal performance and stop your opponent, whether you're Corey Anderson or Jan Blahovich, and get John Jones attention, get the UFC attention, get on the mic, make an awesome call out. It were hot on the heels of a John Jones fight. This is a there's no more incentive these fighters need to put on a great performance. You talk about mental aspects of fighting there's your incentive to get a title fight get John Jones attention you're in his home state he just fought last week you guys are fighting for the number one contender there's your incentive half the time what happens in these type of situations fighters are almost gun shy and they just I don't know don't pull the trigger and Uh, Leave it to the judges in the UFC brass. Control your own destiny here, Mr. Anderson and Mr. Blahovich. It's going to be a fun fight. Looking at their first fight, I just watched it yesterday. Corey Anderson looked good. He looked very good. And he's a very... People would write him up to a very well-rounded fighter a guy who's got a great great gas ca- tank and who will put on a great pace who's got solid boxing solid wrestling solid jujitsu. but every now and then he'll either have a awful performance or every now and then he'll have a world-beating performance and you're like why isn't this guy a champion in his last fight he destroyed johnny walker he stopped and derailed the hype train and put it on johnny walker many who thought would be fighting john jones who was a taekwondo specialist at light heavyweight who had flash knockouts all within the first round and was just a killer in the light heavyweight division was a personality and very marketable for the ufc many cameras were following johnny walker his name is Johnny Walker, right there, is just advertising. He was born to be in the spotlight. But Corey Anderson just internalized all the attention that Johnny Walker was getting and the attention that he wasn't getting and took it all out on fight night UFC 244. And, man, did he put it on Johnny Walker. But, again, on the other flip of the coin, the last time Corey Anderson fought at MSG at UFC 217 he lost viciously at the leg of Oven St. Peru OSP by head kick knockout. I look over to my right, I see my coworker and he's like, man, this sport is completely different in person. Like he looks shocked. Now he's not a typically tan person, but the go he looked like a ghost. Like he looked pale. Like he's never seen a live knockout like that. And whew, yeah, that That put it in perspective for me. You know, I see the knockouts, see the great performances. Like, these guys are warriors and gladiators. But to see somebody who maybe is not necessarily queasy, but seeing it for the first time in person, it's a different speed. It's not on a camera. They don't cut away to the fighter. You watch the whole thing. You see a fighter run around the cage with his arms up. You see a fighter unconscious not a limb moving so it it put things in perspective for him a lot more and for me I understood the severity of the sport a lot more but Corey Anderson he's coming off a huge win flipping back to the other side of the coin Johnny Walker just stopped him in his tracks And he has the confidence of having a win over Jan Blachowicz. Jan Blachowicz has the confidence of getting two big wins in a row. His last loss was at the hands of a guy who almost beat John Jones and Tiago Santos. But he has the confidence of two wins in a row. Corey Anderson has the confidence of beating Blachowicz the first time and coming off the Johnny Walker win. So, man... There's no reason why these guys shouldn't put it all on the line. I told you with the John Jones storyline and the money that's sitting there and the opportunity that's sitting there, there's your incentive, boys. Go get them. So looking at the first fight, Corey Anderson, it's some of the best boxing I've seen him display. He was landing tough boxing combinations, which is a uh, elite combinations in MMA. Boxing, not so much. they They— you would see a fighter do it every round or land it every round or every other round. But a 2 3 2 combination, a cross hook cross, to land that in mixed martial arts is very hard because of the leg kicks. The hook, which is one of the shortest punches a fighter can throw, doesn't typically land on an opponent's face. Uh, you'll see people go to the body because the body's slower move back the head is faster to move out of the way but Corey Anderson was landing hooks cross hooks all over Blahovich, and then taking him and I'm sorry if I keep flipping the name on Blachowicz Blahovich. uh I believe it's Blahovich, or Blachowicz <laughs> now I'm saying it three different times I'm I'm pretty sure it's Blachowicz who's a former KSW champion in Poland. But Corey Anderson, beautiful boxing, beautiful pressure, beautiful takedowns, beautiful ground and pound, beautiful balance on top, beautiful transitions in his jiu-jitsu. He just dominated Jan Blachowicz, Blachowicz and just put it on him. And Jan's definitely... JB has definitely improved his game back then. This is at least USC one ninety one. So yeah, it's about five years ago, and let's see the improvement. Let's see the ferocity. Let's see the incentive. What these guys do on the line. Blachowicz, his jab has improved tremendously, Corey Anderson his overhand right has improved tremendously both guys are extremely confident Um, excited to see the performance they can put on tomorrow night and I will be watching closely, again there's some fights scattered, really good fights scattered on this card, it's not a spectacle card where you have to tune in from start to finish, it's not even a tremendous fight night, but it is a very solid card and the main event is you have to watch because I wanna see I'm gonna I'm gonna scream from the mountaintop if these guys are very lackadaisical and laid back and don't get off their shots. Even though like I said at UFC two fifteen, Shevchenko versus Nunez or Karmouche versus Shevchenko, where not a lot of action's going on and a lot's going on in their head, a lot of calculations, a lot of thoughts, a lot of buildup and emotion. Even if Anderson and Blahovich do that tomorrow, I'm still going to be critical, but I will be honest about it. And I still respect these guys at the end of the day for stepping in there and putting on the line, but they chose to do this. this is a big fight for them. A lot of incentive, again, in John Jones' home state, on the heels of a John Jones pay-per-view event. They can get his attention. They can steal that fight away from Reyes if they put on a performance. And if you're John Jones, you just beat Reyes. If one of these guys finish each other and you see a hole in their game, you see a gap in their performance, that's... That's a way to avoid Dominic Reyes in a rematch. And nobody would blame him. So. UFC Fight Night. 167. Should be a good one. Thank you.